This is the Roots to Risk podcast, hosted by Eric Schneider alongside Isaac Bach. Roots to Risk brings you insights, the latest stories, and long-form discussions about the cannabis industry. You'll hear interviews with industry leaders and their perspective on current and future trends, how they've built success, and what challenges they have faced. Our goal is to facilitate candid conversations and provide informative content for the cannabis community at large. Let's go. Hey, Nick, how are we doing today? Thanks for joining us on the Roots to Risk podcast. Absolutely. Doing good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I think a, a great place to start would, if you can just provide some background on the organization and, and your background as well, how you got into the cannabis space, would just to love to learn a little bit more about Nature A and as well as yourself. Yeah, yeah, sure. So Nature has been around now since 2017. Um, we're, we're about to be six years old. Um, and, and I guess I'll give a, a bit of background about myself first and, and then get into the, the founding of Naturae. I'll, I'll just be quick. I mean, I, 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 we started Naturae right out of, uh, I was coming right out of college. I actually didn't, didn't finish the last semester there, um, with, with a couple of my colleagues and, and roommates from college, um, really focus on, on the non-psychoactive cannabinoid side of things. And it made sense for me because my my family is like four generations of, of an agriculture family business, and we've, we've been working in specialty agriculture forever. So just generally, that translated very easily because it's, it's really, you know, biological units that yield an X amount that are very sensitive and require specific climate and temperature. Um, and, and, and then secondly, honestly, I've, I've, I've been a huge stoner since I was like 13 or 14, and I love cannabis. And so this seemed like like an opportunity to get involved in the industry in one way or another. And, and we always thought, all right, if, if, if we get very good at, at extraction with CBD, at cultivation with CBD, with feminized hemp, it's, it's, it's going to be a training ground for whenever adult use recreational uh, uh, cannabis comes online in New York. Um, I, I don't think we, we planned on it being or taking as long as, as it did and being as tough as it, as it was, but... But but that's really the story. I mean, we 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 decided to to apply for the New York CBD license, and we went fundraising for it. Um, um, and we we were able to to get financing on a farm and on our on our extraction facility. And and then it was five very tough years in in, in the CBD space, really as as wholesalers of of oil, of of, of distillate. CBD oil to other white labelers and other manufacturers. Um, um, and, and then, of course, in 2022, when the conditional program was opened up, that all changed. But, but the foundation of the company was really a, a cultivator and extractor. Uh, and, and we've always focused more on the extraction side and been extractor, extractors at heart um, and, and wholesaling of, of kilograms of oil. That, that was really the start of it. That's awesome. I think, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you just based off of, it sounds like you and your family's background is, um, you know, what have you noticed is kind of some of the major differences between how like cannabis or hemp crops operate versus other ones? Is there much of one, um, much of a difference or is it pretty uniform to how most other agricultural products, you know, function from a growth perspective? I would say there's a ton of parallels for specialty crops, there, there's cer- it's certainly not not there, there's a lot of differences with just standard row crops like corn and soy and etc. They're they're very different for for sure um, because they can't take all the same chemicals and, and they're consumed and ingested differently and, and etc. 
Um, but but it is there are a ton of parallels between let's say like specialty dairy or uh, or uh, strawberries as a crop or tomatoes as a crop and then and and cannabis. I mean they're incredibly similar. Very cool. And and so the operations today, Nicholas, are you guys now operating in either medical or, or recreational cannabis at Nature? Yeah. So that was that was then the, the part of the story that I didn't cover in, in with, with Nature. So then in, in 2022, New York came out with this conditional program where all of the suffering that we that we had in hemp, you know, just a quick number with hemp, it was we, we were selling distillate for five thousand a kilo when the company started. And by the end, when we stopped CBD operations in February of 2022, we were selling it for $65 a kilo, wow. so like a 99% drop there in the wholesale. And so we learned very quickly that what, what we really needed to do was, was if we had the opportunity to establish our own consumer brands, our own in-house brands, where pricing is, we know pricing is going to compress, but that it'll, it'll compress a lot later. And, and when the conditional program opened, they said to be able to produce products and distribute them in New York in the, in the adult use market, you have to have had two years participating in the hemp program that we, that we had established. So, so it sort of allowed us a, a, a first mover advantage with, with our uh, brand Jaunty, which is our distillate brand that we put out. And then, and then we decided after a lot of conversations with, with different MSOs, with different out-of-state brands that, that wanted to do white label deals or licensing deals that, that we just weren't able to ever quite get to agreement, but generally always ended on good terms. We decided we wanted to, to launch a portfolio of, of extract-based products and, and just focus on extract-based products, not touch flour or pre-rolls or any of that category because... It's what it's what we're good at, and also it's what we consume. All all the management and all the owners in the company, and um, and it's a very important market, and it's consistently growing. Most of the new consumers that are coming in are buying vapes, they're buying gummies. So so we we decided to go with that, and and we launched John T in January, which is a distillate brand, um, and then we launched Resonators, which is a hash and hash rosin brand uh all under under in-house brands um and and then finally jumbo dose so when 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 we got those to the market it was it, it really changed the business from okay we can just put kilos of oil into a box put a ups label on it and ups will take it anywhere across the country so now we have to manufacture our own lines of products um so so scaled manufacturing was something that we had to get under our belt on most categories very quickly, like November, December of 2022. And then we have to distribute them to, to all the stores as well um, and, and physically take them there. And, and we've had the time this year, thankfully. I mean, that's one of the positive spins that you can put on the slow rollout. For smaller companies, we've had the time to establish the infrastructure on both of those new businesses for, for the company as a whole. Yeah, I guess uh, th that leads me to my next question, Nick, is like, how was that transition from, you know, producing hemp CBD to the, the THC market? Were there any other nuances or, you know, hoops to jump through in order to get operational or because you had a lot of the existing infrastructure, it was it was a pretty seamless process? Um, and it, it, there was some challenges, I, I would say somewhere in the middle of, of, of what you just said, like it, it was, we, we understood everything we needed to do for distillate production, um, hash and solventless extraction has been something new, but, but we're killing it with it because we've had a lot of very experienced help. 
Um, but with distillate, uh, it was really changing the inputs. We had to, in the post-processing, uh, uh, be a lot more careful with, with, our, uh, with our refining and purification process just in general and have far stricter parameters because with CBD, the purity of the distillate wasn't so important. So that's that's an equipment-based challenge that, that we had was just getting distillate that was going to be 90% plus THC because that's what the market needs. Um, but but we got that under our belt. And then the other thing was just a lot heavier compliance uh, for sure. But we brought on a, a quality manager early in 2022 for our, for our at that point was going to be our third GMP audit. We've already been GMP for, for over three years. So he came on and he really established like a sustainable compliance and training model for for the production and and with that we're we've been able to handle the production challenges but i will say it's a completely different world from the cbd days like there was no careful inventory management in cbd and all every single gram wasn't counted like right now every gram any waste any everything is recorded through a track and trace system so just challenges and things to get through but not nothing that was like oh we're you know maybe what you're referring to like oh we're gonna have to invest 2.5 million in capex to make this work now nothing like that just just adjustments really what about headcount have you guys had to, to bring on you know in addition to the the compliance position that you brought on just um has the organization grown over the past year since you know yeah, definitely. I mean, we in, in 2021 and 22, I, I was running all of the equipment. We had five of us who were just the managers and partners there um, who were just running the facility ourselves to fulfill like split contracts for CBD and some white label tincture deals that we had. So it was just us five for, for a good 18 months, for, for a good period, even not taking pay. Um, and now we're, we're at 27 people working and, and, and everybody's got wages that they're super happy with, which we're, we're constantly working on, on trying to improve that. But, but yeah, so we've, we've gone from like five people to 27 people. Wow. That's awesome growth. Well, congratulations on that. First and foremost, that's incredible. Yeah, no, thanks man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's challenging, but it's also, it's great to have the the place filled and, and everything operating and everything cranking, you know? really nice yeah that's amazing i mean i think obviously you guys are going through some of the transitional phases now but what else are you really excited about in the next 12 to 18 months obviously getting stores open and things of that nature but what's really getting you excited about the growth potential of the business yeah i mean the the, (laughs) you said the first thing obviously just just having (laughs) more stores and having people uh, I, i mean just generally having accessibility because we can't even talk about enforcement or the illegal market if we don't even have legal stores for people to go to. So definitely excited about that, excited about the variety of licensees that that, that we're going to have and, and the wholesale market that's likely going to develop now that there's they've opened up licensing for, for additional processors, extractors. There's going to be some great white label facilities that show up in the state that, that are going to allow for, for, for better production, more consistent production. Um, I guess just just in our case, I'm I'm super excited about our hash program and our and our solventless stuff. I mean, just last night I tried like six different flavors of of uh, hash that we're harvesting from the fields last week and this week, um, and I am I'm stoked because this year we really planned our genetics from the beginning. We 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 uh, trellis the field. We made sure that everything was was just in perfect order. And then during harvest, now we're actually trimming. We're we're using buckers to to get the material out. So we're gonna have super high quality material coming from outdoor, 
And, and I'm just excited to sort of prove that with the extract based category, you can use outdoor raw material and, and provide products to the market that are close in price to the unlicensed market um, without all the extensive overhead that's involved with growing indoor, right? So I, I'm, I'm very excited about the solventless stuff. And that'll be in the next couple of months that, that, those, that those flavors start getting released. We're going to be releasing them as, as cold cure and uh, as fresh press as well and as full melt. Um, depending on the strain. So that's that's going to just really round out the, the concentrates portfolio for us. And I think the New York concentrates category in general is going to continue to become better and better. So I'm just excited about that. That's, that's kind of my favorite product personally. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, in more established markets, obviously, than New York. The, the customer base has certain... Um, flavor and product profiles i suppose have you guys what have you guys noticed in new york like what do you anticipate um that being and are there any products that you guys are um thinking are going to be more successful than others just based off of what you've done on the cbd side or is it going to be kind of a, a find out and tinker as you go i mean so I guess on a category level, I could say it, it appears that New York is going to be is going to be closer to like a 50-50 split between extracts and, and flour. So starting there. And then another thing that, that I think will be different or exceptional about New York is that the, the demand for gummies is, is very high here. And I think just gummies by themselves outside of even edibles, just gummies as a category is going to be uh, or let's just say I'm sorry, let's just say edibles as a category is going to be. A, a way more important category than it is in any other state just because of the amount of tourists that there are and just new consumers new new people going into cannabis that just never considered smoking anything in their lives like they just wouldn't smoke a vape they wouldn't smoke anything and so they go right away to a pack of gummies so um i i think that's that's the one thing i could say is exceptional and then the that New York's flower is going to improve dramatically right now with these new licenses that are going to come out um, and that are going to allow for indoor growing. Um, so by by this time next year, you're going to see, in my opinion, comparable flower to what's in California, because most of those facilities are going to be built out by guys from California anyway. Um, yeah, we have a, we have a client that um, they brought in expertise from uh, from California into a into a hemp operation for that exact reason. So that's funny you say that. Yeah, I mean, in our case, even we have Alex Kupamil. Um, he's he's a an ex, he's been extracting since like 2003, and he was like in the High Times 100 most influential people in cannabis. He has a brand called Critical Concentrates. It's a legacy to legal brand in California. Um, and we license it. We're working with him. He's been he's been consulting in our solventless program and setting everything up and helping us with genetics. And it just we got along so well that at some point we were like, why would we even make a, a house brand for this? You already you have a brand. It's got your soul in it. This is a concentrates brand. Let's just bring your brand on. So so we have one skew of critical concentrates out right now. Pineapple haze. Um, and it actually won the Excelsior Cup in New York. Got first place for concentrates, which is cool. But 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 um, but yeah, he's from California, and I mean, he's been he's got fifteen years of experience, you know, in the last eight of those with solventless. Before that, it, it's been hydrocarbon. So he's just he really really knows his stuff, and I don't think we'd be able to bring this level of product that we're going to bring this season if we didn't have him on board. You know, that's amazing. And and one question that I had is there's obviously the 
you know, the, the argument about outdoor versus indoor flower, does that have the same, I would say, you know, differentiation with extraction as well, like extracted products if the flowers grown outdoor or indoor, like, does it have as much of a material difference? Certainly not with, with distillate like that. I can tell you hands down, you will just find absolutely no difference. And with, with rosin, with solventless products and with some hydrocarbon products, um, actually let's even leave hydrocarbon out of there just in solventless and solventless. You, you could find, I mean, it's, you have to work really hard to do it outdoors. So I guess what I would argue is you can, you can achieve the same quality with solventless extract based products outdoor. You can't really do that with smokable flour, right? You can do it if you if you work very hard with the other cat with the other extracts uh, extraction types. Absolutely no difference. I mean, you can you can get the same exact quality from indoor outdoor. So it just doesn't make sense as an extractor as an extract based company to invest in all of the overhead um, to run you know an, an indoor grow that's also has the scale to to supply your ex your extraction uh, uh, demand. Makes a lot of sense. And for, and for you guys, like obviously where the New York market is right now, um, I, you know, hopefully fingers crossed is going to look very, very different in 2024. You know, how are you guys gearing up for that? And, and I'm sure it's so challenging to kind of predict d what demand is going to look like given, you know, there, there really isn't a ton right now, but there could be a lot more in the coming months, you know, how do you guys prepare for best case slash worst case scenarios and um, wanted to just have a better understanding of that? Yeah. Like, I mean, if we had a crystal ball, that would be great, but you, you're, that's one of the biggest challenges, what you're talking about, just like, and especially because we've had such a roller coaster here, like it hasn't just been steadily, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. If we knew, okay, it's three stores per month. We'll count on that. But essentially, essentially we know that we have to switch our plan pretty often. Like right now we've, we've changed our minds as to what December is going to look like a solid three or four times since August um, because of the injunction situation. However, when we, whatever, whatever that conclusion is, then the number of stores that we say we, we think based on that day's regulatory environment are going to open, then we just use our historical average sales per store per month. And we say, okay, minimally, we have to have that in inventory and production for next month. If we assume these stores are opening, let's assume that those stores, even if, you know, even if we know for a fact, okay, this is a store in Potsdam, it's not going to do our average because it's not going to be the same as a, as a store in, in, in Manhattan. Um, we still just sort of conservatively, for production's sake, conservatively take the approach that all of these stores will at least sell that average. And we produce that. And then like, for example, you, you, we'll get caught with our hands out with our, with our pants down a little bit occasionally because there'll be an injunction suddenly and none of those stores are going to open. So then inventory will build up um, and, and we'll have to stop production, focus a little bit on R&D, work on more flavors for our gummies, for example, so that we can just have those ready to go whenever it's time. But it's this constant back and forth between what sales thinks is going to happen and what really happens and, and, and what production can forecast or not. I mean, it's pretty tough for sure. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm sure it's, it's quite challenging obviously to, to forecast and, and, you know, to your point, right? Like not every store is going to be doing remotely the same volume. I think that there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, the, 
the variance, yes, that, that's the word, uh, is going to be is going to be pretty incredible, right? Like you know, you look at like a small operator in Potsdam, New York, versus like Union Square Travel Agency in New York City. You know, is going to be very different. So, um, but no, I, you know, it's been it's been great to you know. Is there anything else, Nick, that we didn't touch on that you know w- we should know about uh, Nature Ray and, and our viewers should know about? No, I mean, I think that covers it. Just that that we're we're focused on on providing super high quality extract based products as close as we can in price to the unlicensed market. That's 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 the pitch. Love it. And and just to wrap things up here, Nick, we're gonna just uh, ask you a few a few fun questions, uh, not not cannabis or business related. Going to turn it over to Isaac, and then we'll wrap things up and get you uh, back upon your day. Yeah. So so Nick, um, you know. I know you mentioned you have some little kids. So when you when you need a, a music to, a song to get you uh, get you going for either early morning workout, just get you through the day, or before a meeting, you know what's at the top of the playlist for you? Um, it changes often, but lately it's been that song called uh, Edamame. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that song's great. I'll, I'll listen to that out. song to get me going in the morning for sure. I love it. Um, next one is, is there a book um, that, you know, you've maybe read once or a few times that you turn back to or pull pieces of for advice that you think would be valuable for people to look into? Um, yeah. Yeah, actually, there's there's a book called Who Moved My Cheese um, by Dr. Spencer Johnson. It's super short. It's literally like a 40 minute read. So it's a very easy one to even like hand out to team members and to, and to people in your organizations. But yeah, who moved my cheese is great. I mean, it, it just, it really, it really helps with, 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 with organization and, and scaling of, of, of people in your company and understanding different profiles and et cetera. I think it's, I think it's awesome. Love that. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely something a lot of people um, could probably benefit from looking at. And then, uh, you know, finally, I know, you know, backstage, we talked about a few of the various places we've lived. But, uh, you know, do you have an all time favorite restaurant you've been to that, uh, you know, if people are in a a certain area, highly recommend people check out? Oh, that's a good one. An all time favorite restaurant. Or go to, you know. Yeah. I guess in, in New York City, my, my favorite pizza in New York City is in a place called uh, Pizzarte. Mm, um, interesting. Haven't heard of that Pizza one. and then A-R-T-E. Arte. So Pizzarte. Interesting. Damn. When I come back to the city next, I need to check that out. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. They make like like classic uh, Neapolitan pizzas. They're really good there. I love that. Um, well, awesome, Nick. Really appreciate your time. E, did you have anything else you wanted to to add no no i think it's it's always great and you know for me selfishly and for us being in new york it's always great to to catch up with a new york operator and learn more about your operations and and what you're most excited about for the next 12 months so just really appreciate the time nick and uh good luck with everything obviously in the the coming months as the rollout happens i'm sure it's going to be pretty pretty chaotic but hopefully it's it's good chaos you know yeah, hopefully we make it to the other side. No, absolutely. Thank you guys for the time. This was super fun. Thank you. All right. Another one in the books, IB. What, what were your thoughts? Uh, definitely very informative. I think his uh, you know explanation of what it's like going through the transition from um, you know the CBD and hemp market to what they're doing now on the THC and you know 
uh, cannabis hacking saga is extremely interesting. Um, you know, and what he talks about from the New York marketplace in general was super informative. Yeah. And I know, I know, you know, a lot more about this than I do with your master's in cannabis science and therapeutics. Um, but I thought it was really, really interesting to hear the the differences in the products that they're manufacturing and, and also the impact of indoor versus outdoor, um, Obviously, we're you know a part of the industry, but don't know the the nitty gritty as much as those guys. And I thought he did a really good job of you know explaining all of that in a very easy. You mean dumbing it down? <laughs> yeah, for me, for me specifically. Yes, maybe not for everybody listening, but I appreciate it. No, I, I agree with you. You did a really good job of explaining that, and um, it is always interesting to hear like the how big of a difference indoor versus outdoor is when it comes to certain aspects of. Uh, product side. So uh, definitely helpful um, for him to provide that context. Yeah. Next time uh, I'm at a, a New York dispensary, I'm going to look up some of those products and, and try them out and, and excited to see what uh, what's on the docket for nature a moving forward into 2024. Absolutely, man. And uh, looking forward to the next one of these. Absolutely, brother. You Have too. a great day. <laughs>